Ladies and gentlemen, this podcast is brought to you by BSO and ABF Creative and is scheduled for one fall. And on the mic, we have the one and only Robert Latow. I got enemies, got a lot of enemies, got a lot of people trying to drain me of my energy. They trying to take the wave from your boy. That's it with your boy. Better pray for your boy. It's Robert Latow. Keep that same energy podcast. Let's get to the opening bell. Robert Latow uh, with BlackSportsOnline.com to keep that same energy uh, podcast. I have the pleasure of speaking with uh, former NFL Pro Bowler, All Pro Brandon Marshall. Uh, appreciate you taking out the time um, to speak with me today, and we're talking media stuff. Um, I, I just saw that you have a a company uh, called the House of Athlete. Tell me a little bit about that. Man, we're just not healthy, you know, mentally, physically, we're not healthy. So for almost 10 years now, just been searching high and low, looking for solutions, um, trying to figure out what type of services, products, and technology can we give to people to help. And the reality is after 10 years, I stumbled, like, I I mean, yeah, I kind of fell into this where People want something that is integrated and takes the guesswork out of it. You know, and when you look at health and wellness, a lot of people are, are, are into fitness and they're going into facilities looking for answers. And uh, we feel like we can solve a problem in a space where people can come in and get everything they need. And, and, and for me, I was blessed for 13 years to have that experience when I walked into the New York Giants or Jets facility. And I want people to have that same experience when they walk in the house of athletes. Like, yeah, I got great coaching. Yep. Someone's there to help me walk through nutrition and teach me what a healthy carb is, veggie, protein, fat. You know, uh, there's somebody there that I could potentially talk to on the mental health side. Like, we have mental health practitioners on site, chiropractors, massage therapists. And that's what that's that, that was my experience in the NFL. And, um, you know, for me, the goal is always to optimize human performance, optimize people's health, and it has to be everything. It has to be a holistic approach. We can't focus on our mental health and not the physical. We can't focus on our physical health and not the mental if we're trying to feel good and just be better than where we're at where we are today. So, you know, that's House of Athlete, you know, huge industry. Um, we're excited about our opportunity and you know, looking forward to continue to build on this. Well, when you were in the NFL and you talked about mental health, you know, it was a little bit of a, of a, of a taboo. Uh, an athlete talking about, you know, mental health or depression or, or those type of things not being healthy, like you said, from a mental and physical uh, side of such a, uh, a sport that's uh, that has a lot of violence, you know, to it. Today, you know, 2020, how do you feel things have changed um, in the NFL in regards to mental health, if, if they've changed, and how the league is now, you know, handling that now that more athletes uh, are speaking out about it? Because I'll be honest, when you first spoke about it, you were kind of the first athlete that I ever really heard kind of really get into that side of it. We hear it now more, Kevin Love, DeMar DeRozan, and others, 
you know, how do you feel that they're handling that as a league, and, and are they taking it more seriously than maybe they did previously? Yeah, I'm proud of our pro leagues. I think they're taking it serious. I think it shifted from a taboo topic to an everyday conversation. That's the forefront of a lot uh, of a lot of our conversations at that level, right? Where we know to get the best out of our athletes, to get the best out of people, they first have to be healthy mentally. So the initiatives that are being launched and the the programs that are that that have been established have been established. Um, are, are, are amazing and, they're, and, and they're, they're helping a lot of people. But we got to continue to come, continue the conversation because there's a lot of people that still don't utilize those services and what's available to them. Um, so I think the NFL has done a great job. I think the NBA has done a great job, and I think those two sports have been leaders in the space. I think about where we were at ten years ago. We didn't. It wasn't mandated that each team had a mental health practitioner on staff. Now we do. Right, like we had a men- mental health task force. Like that's important. That's big. A group of people that is focused on pushing this conversation for every single day for a pro athlete. And because if the pro athlete adopts it, there's a good chance that everyone else adopts it because our, our platforms are are huge. They're impactful, and people listen to the pro athlete. So if the pro athlete is talking about, you know, look, man, I, I struggle with stress. I struggle with anxiety. I struggle with depression. I, you know, I was diagnosed borderline personality disorder. I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Uh, then, then, then that gives people room and space um, to be vulnerable and tell their stories, or maybe even look themselves in the mirror and say, "Man, that symptom sounds like something I may be dealing with." So that's great. I mean, that that's good to hear that so much has changed. Um, you know, just like you said, over maybe the last five to, to, to ten years. And another thing that's changed, and, and you now are in this genre as well, is, you know, athletes maybe, you know, five, ten years ago, the voices, their ability to get out their side of the story about things that are happening either with the team, with them personally, um, it, it was always a little bit rigid. The media had a little bit too much control now, thanks to social media and other platforms, you guys have an opportunity to really speak your truth. And that's kind of what I'm hearing when I listen to your podcast, the I Am An Athlete podcast, uh, with Chad Johnson, Ocho, uh, Fred Taylor, Channing Crowder. It's just another outlet for you guys to kind of, it's unscripted. You guys kind of speak your truth, go behind the scenes. What came into the process of coming up with, with that podcast and what made you decide those kind of three Three interesting personalities, not not the same, but very interesting personalities. How did you know that it was going to mesh and, and really kind of blow up? Because it's, it's a dope podcast. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, to your earlier point, man, like, we do control our narrative now. We have access to social media. We have access to podcast platforms. We can shoot this stuff ourselves, right? And one of the first to do it was Derek Jeter with Players Tribune. Where we didn't have to go to the traditional outlets and and, and and men and women on the beat. Like we could literally talk about what we wanted to and control the, the conversation. And you know, I am athlete is just that man, it's it's locker room talk. You know, in the locker room we talk about so many things. We talk about business, we talk about media, sports, politics, we talk about culture, we talk about women, we talk about family problems, finances. So I've always felt like if we can capture that 
you know, people would really appreciate it and it could blow up. And that's what's happening so fast. Like, we've only been doing this for five months, you know, and this thing is taking off. And, um, you know, uh, as far as, like, Ocho, Ocho brings us, you know, like, star power. He's that guy that, you know, you don't know what's he, what he's going to say. Um, you know, so you always need someone like Ocho. Uh, and, and, and the thing that makes Ocho special is that he's willing to go places that other guys aren't. And he's always, he's, he's always done that, even on a practice, on a field, you know, the celebrations that were, you know, frowned upon back then and the, the flamboyancy and, you know, what he used to do, you know, now is embraced. He's always been an innovator and a pioneer when it comes to media and sports. Um, Channing Crowder is that guy that like, is like, that's a ratchet friend. He's going <laughs> to spice it up every single time. Like, you got to reel him in sometimes. But he is so smart. He's so articulate. He's been on radio for 10 years. Like, people just don't know about him. Like, he's been in Miami for 10 years talking about sports, and I'm listening to this guy, and I played with him as well. So, I, I you know, I know who he is. Like, this would be the perfect person for podcast because you don't always get authenticity and you know, that organic approach. Like, everybody's always trying to put her on. Channing can care less. And then Fred Taylor is that guy, like, very sound, very wise. And, and I think people gravitate to Fred a lot because they learn. You know, when we talk about finance and we talk about women, we talk about, you know, relationships and, and family, like, mental health. Like, he's the guy that when you walk away from the show, you're like, okay, like, I remember Fred said this. Mm. So he's just wise. And for me, um, I'm more so like that host that just try to, you know, I, I, I just try, I want to make sure that the topics are always on point. People are always learning. And I'm always trying to push the conversation forward because, you know, as you know, man, we have these discussions. You can get lost in some of these great topics. So I just got to make sure that <laughs> I, 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 we're pushing the conversation forward. And then obviously through my experience of being on Showtime for seven years and now on FS1, um, you know, I, I think that the seat that, that, that people want me to occupy and that I like occupying is making sure that there's, um, that there's like, um, that there's realness behind what we're doing. And that's what I've, that's what I've always done as a player. That's what I've done on, what I've done the last seven years on inside the NFL is like, I'm going to be raw and uncut in a way that Everybody can digest. How, how do you, how do you feel? You know, being an NFL player, like you said, now you're on the other side. You you've been inside the NFL. Uh, you've done you like to FS1. First things first. Now, congratulations on that. The podcast. In, in your opinion, um, how has the NFL handled, in your mind, uh, social justice? You know, like say from the time that you got into the league. Uh, until now, I know a lot of people, and I'll be honest, sometimes I think about this as well. I'm like, you know, are they doing it? You know, are they reacting to it? You know, are they being proactive or are they being reactive? Are they, are they just trying to get good PR, you know, or are they really digging in deep and trying to help uh, the players who, you know, the majority are black with these issues that really have some, you know, meaning, you know, to them? You know, they say certain things, but then, we, you know, we don't have Kaepernick in the league. We, Eric Reed's still not in the league. But then we see the commercials and we see that it takes all of us and end racism in the end zone. 
just I just want to know your opinion. You know, as someone as deep into the league as, as could be, how do you feel Roger Goodell and the owners and the others have handled all of this? Well, I think we failed. I felt like we, we got it wrong. Um, you know, for, you know, when Cap took his first knee in two thousand six, up into up until you know um, the NFL players, Odell Beckham Jr., Todd Gurley, DeAndre Hopkins, and, and and all those guys launched that video saying, "What if it was me? You know, what if I was Ahmad Aubrey? What if I was um, uh, George Floyd? Would you care then?" And since then, they've done a good job of. Of, of really listening and then going back to all those conversations that so many league employees and other athletes been trying to have for years now. And now they're finally getting it right. Yeah, of course, they're going to make sure that, you know, like without the players, there's no there's no NFL. So, uh, you know, is there some business to it? Yes, but at the end of the day, I think there's been a real change with Odell. Roger Cadell, sorry, Roger Cadell has been a real change. Like, oh, I, I, like I got this wrong. Now, is that the same for all 32 owners? Probably not. But Roger Cadell, who, who, who's in charge of this and leading these initiatives, obviously, you know, he has to answer to the owners. But, like, I, I truly believe that it's real. Now, where he was in 2016, 2017, I don't know. But now, you know, they're trying. I, I think it's still a little bit you know, too buttoned up and, and a little too controlled. You know, um, we're in a year now where it needs to be raw and uncut. We need to have real conversations. You need to hear the black experience so we can move forward. And, 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 and there's, a, there's, there's times where it seems like the NFL is trying to be get too ahead of it to control it. But, you know, we're in a good place right now when it comes to the NBA and the NFL players really using this platform to put pressure on all industries and push this conversation forward. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, really the, the most important thing is that, you know, it appears that we're moving past this one era and trying to get to this this new era. And I think because of probably what's happening, you know, in this last four years, uh, like I said, a lot of players now realizing the power that they do have, young players, older players, retired players, um, and everything. Uh, just kind of to end it off on, on this, you know, as someone that has experienced so much, you know, just in life, in sports, in television, you've been through, you know, a lot, a lot of ups, some downs, some craziness, you know, I'm sure some things you wish you could take back, some things that you, you know, you, you push forward that I know you're proud of. If you had an opportunity, or you do have the opportunity, but for, for this opportunity to talk to a, a young person out here, an old person out here, a uh, young athlete, uh, just a young student that says, hey, you know, the country right now is, is not really where it should be for something that's called the United States of America. What advice would you give them to take that next step, take that next day, see the positive in things, keep the advice could you give to them from do your, your experience? Yeah. Do, yeah, yeah. Do, do your part, you know. Be a part of the conversation. Feel we're right. doesn't matter what side you sit on. Uh, it affects all of us. So do your part, you know, to have real conversation, be curious, um, be vulnerable, listen, but first and foremost, do your part, you know, and that, that starts with the conversation. And then also, when I say do your part, meaning take care of yourself, you know what I mean? Take care of you, you know, stop worrying about everybody else, like, make sure you are right, and that's, you know, when we look at what that is, it's like health, make sure your mind is right, your body's right. You know, and I, I go back to that. 
right now, where we're at in 2020, racial tension soaring, middle of a global pandemic, we're having real conversations. But then it always goes back, for me, it's like, are you healthy mentally and physically? You need to be training every single, well, some of us train every day. You don't need that. But at least four or five times a week, you should be moving. Don't sit on the couch all day and behind the desk. Uh, nutrition is critical. So, you know, fuel correctly. That's number two. You know, track your macronutrients. You know, make sure you know what a healthy carb, veggie, fat, protein is. You know, supplement protein. Learn when to take protein, how to take protein, and things like that. Because you can't get all your macronutrients through food. Be mentally fit. Have a plan. Talk therapy is okay. You know, meditation is okay. It's great for you. The fourth thing is recover. Know when to shut off. Know when to go to sleep. Know when to take care of that bum back or knee or ankle. That's important. The last thing is try and do life with people that can hold you accountable, that will laugh with you, cheer with you, that has your back. Like, tribe and team is, is extremely important. Uh, hey, that's good. That's that's great advice. Uh, I hope everyone takes it. I know I'm going to take it, you know, as well. Uh, appreciate you taking the time coming on. What you're doing is is great. You know, I love to see the fact that you're so multifaceted at everything that that you're doing and that you're showing. You know, athletes that when your football career or your athletic career is over, uh, you can do pretty much anything that, that you want that you set your mind to. So thank you so much, Brandon, for uh, for talking to us. I'll be honest, I wasn't a big believer in mental health and mental health professionals and psychologists and things like that, psychiatrists. I think that's just, you know, being black and being brainwashed into thinking that, you know, those things don't matter. But your mental health is a big deal. You got to take care of your mentals, as Marshawn Lynch uh, would say. So uh, thank you to Brandon Marshall for coming on. Uh, check out the I Am Athlete podcast. Really good stuff. Not just funny. I mean, they, they get into the the real issues. They talk about the things that you want to talk about. So that's always, uh, that's really the, I always say the, the key into connecting with people. Some shows, they're just talking. It's like a topic. You know what I mean? Topic talk, topic talk. You know, it doesn't feel real. It doesn't feel authentic. They're hitting talking points. And it doesn't feel authentic. But their show, you know, they just feel like they're, they're talking like, you know, if you were sitting there with them. You're not, they're not talking at you. They're talking with you. And I think that's important. And that's, that's how they're connecting uh, with people. So shout out to Brandon Marshall for putting that together. Oh, we got a lot to talk about today. Oh, my God. Show may be two hours long. You're not going anywhere. It's a pandemic. It's getting worse. So you got time. So feel free to sit down, relax, and get you a cold beverage or a hot beverage. It's the morning. And and take a listen. Cause a lot of topics. A lot of topics going on. A lot of stuff going on I need to get to. Barkus is asleep behind me, so hopefully he won't be barking the episode but but I can't I can't guarantee that uh, because he's he's in his barking stage he's almost seven months now so now he's you know protect the house stage even though he's like 10 pounds but yeah I like that you know you want to you want a dog that protects the house barks but just not just barking for no reason normally there's a reason 
It may not make any sense, but he has a reason. So let's start with Dabo Luther King. <laughs> oh, Dabo Sweeney. If it's one thing these last four or five years, I think it's not really a positive. I wouldn't call it a positive. But if, if it's one thing that has happened over these last four years that I think people should take from it is that all of these people that fake behind the scenes, you start to see them for who they really are. See, Dabo was all shucks and, and, and G willikers. That's how Dabo was. He fooled everybody. I'm a Christian man and God and all of this stuff. You know, he was Barney Fife, Andy Griffin. He fooled everybody. Dabo don't care about none of that stuff. Dabo want to get paid. Dabo want to win national championships. Dabo don't care about them kids. What's the Michael Jordan meme? meme? F them kids. <laughs> Dabo had a player that was sick. Let him practice. Put his ass on the team plane. Got off to fight Florida to, to, to play Florida State. The kid, of course, ends up having the Rona. Florida State's like, you know something? We're already in Florida. So you know we, we're in a jacked up situation as is. Like, we're good. You know, you had your guy on the team playing. You had your guy practicing. He's the damn center. So he's in the trenches with everybody. You've already had a bunch of players. Uh, have the Rona, including your star quarterback. You know something? We good with that. We don't want to die. And what did Dabo Luther King say? Dabo Luther King said, oh, man, they fake it. They don't care about COVID. <laughs> they, just, they just didn't want to play us. They didn't want to play us. They should forfeit the game, give us our money back. Dabo don't care. He don't care. When, when Trevor Lawrence got the Rona, he's like, ah, thanks, you know. You'll be okay. Uh, next five-star recruit, let's let's get it. Let's get it. I I would you know I don't have any boys yet. I got uh, a teenage girl and a and a little one on the way. Literally any day now. Any day now she can come out. But if I had boy, I, I wouldn't let her go to Clemson. Like, I'll, I mean, it'd be, I have to be hard-pressed because I, I have to really have to talk to these coaches. If I had a boy that was really good, I'd really have to talk to these coaches. Like, I get it. You want to go to the, the NFL and all of that stuff and, and going to Clemson and Bama and Ohio State and LSU and et cetera, et cetera, Oklahoma. I really would have to talk to these coaches. No way, though, I would let them go with Dabo Luther King. Dabo Luther King, Never. Not Magadabo Luther King. I'm glad people are calling him out now. There's still people that act like he's the savior, but he's not. He he's just Trump with a headset. That's all he is, Trump with a headset. Taysom Hill. Hopefully he's not MAGA like Drew Brees. I don't know. He's from BYU. Well, he's Mormon. I don't I don't know if the Mormons hang with Trump or not. I don't know. He got to start over Jameis Winston. Um from a from a financial standpoint, I understand they don't put a lot of money into Taysom Hill, so they got to see if he can actually be a functional quarterback. Hard to say based off of his game against the Falcons. He was functional, wasn't bad, wasn't awful. 
the defense played really well, so he, he really was able to play comfortable. You know what I mean? So, I mean, the jury's still out, but he's 45 years old, so, you know, they got to find out sooner. Like, Jameis is 26. I feel like Jameis is going to get another legit shot, hopefully. He's still young. He's not injured. You know, he's thrown 33 touchdowns in a, you know, in a season. I, I, he should get another shot somewhere. But you got to see what you got in uh, Taysom Hill. Uh, right now, what they got is a, kind of a older version of Josh Allen when he first came into the league. <laughs> you know, they got a 40-year-old Josh Allen. They got Tim Tebow with a little bit better arm. So we'll see. We, we'll see. I, I felt bad for Jameis because, you know, he's the more talented quarterback and rightfully should probably be the, the starter. But, you know, dollars and cents and, you know, he's, you know, Taysom is a great white hope. So, of course, they're going to put him in and, and see what happens. He's okay. So I, I can't even hate on him. He's okay. He's okay. I'm not like that. Like, just because I think something should happen and then they, they play okay, they, that's okay. Like, I never was a big, like, Derek Carr fan. But, you know, he said he was tired of being disrespectful. No disrespect. He's playing better now. They got to give him credit for that. Ah, Clay Thompson. That hurt my soul. Killer Clay towards ACL. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how he's going to, how, how that's going to work with him coming back uh, from that. But that, that's, that's tough. You know, that's tough. Everybody likes Clay. You know how hard it is to be universally liked offline and online with opponents, teammates? Nobody dislikes Clay. You know why? It's kind of the same thing like with Ocho. Chad Johnson just kind of, he's just a person. He's just normal. It doesn't seem fake. He doesn't have like a crazy like wife or girlfriend talking weird online and stuff like that. He's just just Clay. But that's how that's two whole seasons, two big injuries. And also, the thing about Clay is, you know, a lot of people can shoot. <laughs> you know, he's the shooter. He plays the, the defense. He comes out on the ACL, tries to play. I mean, he, he's tough. Everybody likes Clay. I feel bad for Clay. Hoping a full recovery. I think he'll be 30 by the time that he comes back. I mean, hopefully, he'll get like another four or five years in. As far as the Warriors and the Dynasty, I, yeah, I think that's over. <laughs> I think that's over. It's hard to restart. They're getting older, you know. Unless you know, uh, unless you know, Wiseman becomes like Shaq. You know what I mean? Unless you know, you, you get these high draft picks and these guys become legit stars. That dynasty is probably over. It's a good run. I mean, hey, you know, five years, three rings, two losses. You know, two final losses. A lot of success. MVP, 73 wins. You know, they lost 3-1, but back-to-back, you know, that's a good run. It's a good run as you can get in the NBA these days with all of the teaming up and stuff. Uh, lastly, for the opening bell, the very long opening bell, uh, man, Bobby Brown. You know, I was always, always a big fan uh, of Bobby Brown. But, man, that man has, has been through some things. It's, it's, it's always interesting to me. Sometimes... You, you see an artist or you see a talented person that's troubled and you're like, I don't think that person is going to live past a certain amount of time, right? 
So I think with Bobby Brown was one of those guys that's like, you know something, I don't know if he's going to make it to old age. But then sometimes it flips where that person who probably should not be here ends up living forever. But then all of this other stuff around him, his friends, his, his wife, his daughter, his son, Bobby Brown Jr., is who we're talking about now. All this death around him. It's not, you know, we talk about mental health. I mean, I hope his mental health is okay. Because that's a lot. You shouldn't, you shouldn't bury two of your kids, both your namesakes, in their 20s. That's, that's, that's tough. So, thoughts and prayers go out to Bobby Brown, uh, Bobby Brown family. Um, they said that Bobby Brown Jr. wasn't feeling well, but he didn't want to go to the hospital. So, it's really, they really haven't said exactly what was the reason just that no foul play uh, was involved? But thoughts and prayers go out to them because that's crazy. You, you just you, you realize sometimes how blessed you are. Sometimes the blessing is just the fact that a lot of bad stuff hasn't happened to you. You know what I mean? I think we all have ups and downs in our life. We all have problems. We all have issues. We all you know every day is not a great day. But then you look around and you're like, well, like, you know, I know my life has had some ups and downs, but that Bobby Brown, you realize kind of the blessings that you actually have. What in the blue hell? There are so many what in the, the blue hell <laughs> stories. I, I'm just going to do them rapid fire. Sometimes we, we just got to do them rapid fire. If not... Like I said, the show would be three hours. Uh, it'd be three hours. So we, we just gonna do it rapid fire. I'm just, I'm just I got a whole. Normally I don't like to. I don't do scripts. I'm if you, I don't know if you can notice that. I'm not a script guy. I'm not reading off a script. Just whatever kind of pops in my head. That's what comes out. It's worked for me. It's worked for me. But I did. I do got some bullet points of all of these crazy stories that happened. Over the last week. I just want to touch on each one. Some of them will be educational to you. Some MAGA stuff. White privilege stuff. Some groupie tales. Some wild stuff. So just just, just bear with me. Trust me. You, you're going to want to know about all of these stories. And if you really, really want to know. Each story. There's an actual story on Black Sports Online. Just... Just uh, search Black Sports Online or whatever the topic I talk about. We'll start with Matt Leinart. Remember US, USC quarterback uh, bust in the NFL? You remember him? I think he works for Fox. He does Fox stuff now. Uh, here, out, here out in L.A., uh, they shutting down again because the Rona's out of control, spreading out of control. That's kind of all over the country. No, they're, they're not really super shutting down. They just want your curfew. They want to stop the indoor dining. Look, I know it sucks. I do. I understand that. But what gets me with people like Matt Liner is they don't really understand the concept of why we're in the position that we're in. So Matt Liner was like, you know something, this is LA's awful. I can't wait to leave. This is unacceptable. This is a miserable place. This sucks. I can't eat at my favorite restaurant, et cetera, et cetera. People would lighten them up. And he's like, small businesses and blah, blah, blah. And I told him, I said, look, Matt. Uh, you know, the small businesses would, would be still in business if a couple of things. First off, all the rich companies took all the money. That's the first thing. 
They took all the Rona money. Go look it up. Companies that didn't need the money took the Rona money. Small businesses struggling, not getting the money that they should have got. A lot of scamming and everything is going on. Secondly, we wouldn't be in this position if we didn't have a dictator for a president. If Republicans and MAGA would just follow the rules. If white people would follow the rules, we wouldn't be in this position right now. Yes, I'm talking to you white people. Not all white people. Just the ones that are not following the rules. You know, black people only get upset about, like, real stuff. You know, you shoot us in the street, we get upset about that. Racism, we get upset about that. Try to suppress our vote, we get upset about that. You know, sexism, all that stuff, we get upset about that. You treat us badly, we, we get upset about that. Wearing a mask, that's, that's not a big deal for us. We're descended of slaves. Wearing a mask and getting some social distancing and, and using Postmates a little bit more, that, that, that's not going to bother us. That's not going to bother us. Lose, lose an election, you know, something, whatever. It's not, that's not bothering us. Maybe that should, but it does, it's not going to bother us. The, the, the votes are legit. White people, you, you can't tell them anything. They're so privileged. I, I make this analogy all the time. When you walk into Target, just Target, on any day in the last 20 years, when you walk into Target, you have to follow a certain amount of rules. You have to have pants on. You have to have shoes on. You have to have a shirt on. You can't be disruptive. You can't be loud. You can't be vulgar. You have to wait in a particular line until it's your turn. You have to scan the thing. You have to pay with either cash or credit. So there's a multitude of rules anytime that you do anything. All you do is just add one on. And the one that they added on is not like crazy. Put a mask on. A mask like $5. You get like 100 of them for 5 bucks. Put a mask on. Not for yourself. Just so you don't get anybody else sick. There's a story about like they had a wedding in Maine. Nobody from the wedding got sick, but they passed it off to a bunch of other people and a bunch of people died. It's just that, that white privilege. It's, it's a real thing. I don't even know if they understand it. Some do. Some totally get it. Others, I don't think they get it. They just, they, they've been so privileged. They have never really had to deal with anything hard in their life. So when you tell them to do anything, they just lash out. Black people are like, oh, wear a mask so you don't die? No problem. White people are like, I'm leaving the city. I'm marching. I'm putting on my Call of Duty cosplay. I know it's supposed to be rapid fire, but that, that was pissing me off. Matt Leinert, you suck, just like you did in the NFL. Khloe Kardashian uh, says she's going to Boston <laughs> with Tristan Thompson Kardashian to, to make sure he doesn't cheat. I don't know how that how those Kardashians going to you know, with the Celtics fans and stuff. Uh, they don't like black people, but I, they probably like Kardashians even less. If you got to go, if you got to literally be on somebody's hip to make sure they don't cheat, maybe they, you shouldn't be with them, you know. But that lets you know, no matter how much plastic surgery you get, how much, you know, they take out your ribs so you can be skinny, all of the makeup and the filters, and it doesn't change who you are inside. So if you're insecure inside, no matter what the outside looks like, you're still insecure. What's up with all these um, wives and fiancés acting crazy? You got, you got Patrick Mahomes, fiancé. Look, you know, we've talked about this before. If the man is happy, 
I really don't have an issue with it. I, I promise you, I don't. And, and and I really like stuff like that. You look, it's whatever makes you happy. It's really none of my business. And if she didn't like talk <laughs> and do stupid things, I wouldn't even mention it. It's like his mom. Like, come on, you MAGA mom. Okay. But every like every week she says something or does something that's just like you're trying to figure out exactly what Patrick sees in her. How can you be such a good decision maker with the football, but then, you know, that. This time a homeless person, you know, ran up on her. And now she says she's not helping homeless people anymore. That's, you know, it's Kansas City. It's the middle of the winter. It's a pandemic. You know, cut them a little slack, Brittany. You okay? You know, you're doing pretty well for yourself. You know, cut them a little slack. Like, that was one of those types of things. You don't have to go to social media with it. I see. I look. I look. If you're scared, I get it. You know, you with child and all of that stuff. Look, some homeless people make me a little nervous. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be nervous or you shouldn't be like. It's just some stuff you don't take to social media. Like they're homeless. Don't you know? Excuse my language. Don't shit on a homeless person. Come on now. Let's not do that, Brittany. And stop making those weird faces. Like, what's wrong with you? Why, why are you doing that? Just odd, like are you, are you, I don't know. It's just she's strange, but that whole dynamic with the family and that's all strange anyway. Um, who else was it? Matthew Stafford's wife says she's living in a dictatorship in Michigan because they are closing down again. She did apologize. She's always saying wild stuff. I'm like, ma'am, you've had brain cancer. You should be a little more sensitive to stuff like this. And I wouldn't wish stuff like that, tumors and brain cancers, you know, on. Anybody. Yeah, but come on, miss. A dictatorship? The president's a dictator. They the president had people trying to kidnap the man the with the governor. So yeah, like ease up a bit. She's always saying wild stuff. Lions got shut out uh by the Panthers. So I, I think Stafford Days with the Lions maybe numbered, I don't know. Uh Gordon Hayward signed a massive deal with the Charlotte Hornets. I don't know what Michael Jordan was thinking. I really don't. 120 million for Gordon Hayward. Great for Gordon Hayward. I never ever 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 hate on any athlete getting their money. You know why? Because if somebody's giving me free money, I take it too. If 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 BSO's like, you know, like value is like two million, one point five million, one point one million, whatever, the valuation. If somebody said I don't give you five million, I'm gonna take it. <laughs> I don't be like, ah you're about three million over. No, nah, I'm gonna take it. So if somebody went to Gordon Haywood and everybody else was like, you know, maybe he's only worth, you know, eh, fifty million. <laughs> and somebody say I'll give you hundred and twenty, I'll take it too. I'm not mad at him for that. What he should, though, is he should check his security cameras. Because his wife said his cops, cops was visiting her every single day because she was lonely while Gordon was gone. You know, he's in that bubble for a while. I mean, what, why would a cop have to visit your wife every single day? I'm sure they lived in a nice neighborhood. I'm sure crime is not high where they live, lived at. Why is a cop every day on his route stopping by to check out Mrs. Hayward? Might want to check them security cameras. 
Might want to check them security cameras. Uh, Dwight Howard got married, allegedly, uh, to 23-year-old Tia Cooper, L.A. Sparks. Dwight's had an interesting, I would say, six months or so. Or maybe ever since he signed with the Lakers. Good renaissance comeback season. One of his baby mamas passed away tragically. Then the rest of his baby mamas said he was a deadbeat dad. One of his oldest sons said he hated him. Wins a championship. Marries a 23-year-old. Then signs with the Sixers. I think there's a, a, a inside of Dwight Howard's full life, there's a, it's a documentary sitting there waiting to be done. If you really want to dig in, not the fluff stuff, you really want to dig in. There's a documentary that would be interesting. A woman uh, murdered her ex-boyfriend. Her, her name was, was it? Niki, Niki, I don't know, it's Nikitska? Nikinski Dix? I think she drove from D.C. to Chicago or Chicago to D.C., one of the others. Shot old boy in the chest. And then told the cops, I don't remember anything. I don't remember anything. <laughs> I got a bad memory. Yeah, you probably should remember shooting somebody. If anybody, if you like me and you watch, you know, Discovery ID and Lifetime, all of this was snapped and all of that. This happens more often. Do you think? I think you know. Obviously, on the it's more men doing it to women, but women do it to men too. Now, I was trying to figure out why would she just charge with second degree murder? Normally, if you just run up in somebody's house and shoot them in the chest seven times, that's first degree. But you know, she might get off. You know, you gotta be careful. Be careful with your like breakups. I think we've all maybe had a crazy one that you was maybe worried show up at your door with with the twelve gauge. Be be safe out there. Uh, girl went viral for mouth hugs. It's interesting way of describing it. Did a voice note. Told the guy to tap out. These things. These things were fairly regular. On social media back in the day. Not as much now because everybody has, I guess, OnlyFans and stuff like that. Got to pay for it now. I thought that was interesting. Uh, lastly, the Pope. Uh, so the Pope got caught liking some IG model pictures and they're investigating. And as someone, actually a couple of people said, uh, they'd rather the Pope be doing that than, you know, the little boys. <laughs> they're investigating the Pope's liking pictures more than they do the priests with the little boys. Like, that's another little part of our country <laughs> that is twisted that we don't really talk about. You know, men of the cloth, being abusers. That's something that kind of swept under the rug. But, you know, the Pope, you know, liking some IG model. Let's put that on the front page of the, of the New York Post. Wild times. I tell you, there's wild times going on in this world right now. Wild times. Wild, 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 wild. The Injustice League. This really grinds my gears, but... It really explains to you, though, the disconnect within our society. I just want you to just, just visualize this. If I didn't give you any names, any races, any colors, or anything like that, and I said a 17-year-old high school dropout 
a guy that beats women, we have it on video, buys himself an illegal gun with his coronavirus stimulus check, crosses state lines with that gun, kills two people, cold blood. I told you there was no names, no political affiliations, no races, no colors. Would you think somebody would say they think that that kid should should run for Congress? That he's a patriot, that he's a hero. Would you want to give money to that person? Let me add a little sprinkle to it. What if that person was black? What if there was a black kid, 17 years old? Gets a gun illegally. Goes across state lines. Kills two white people. Think he'd be able to raise $2 million to get out of jail? Think Ricky Schroeder would be giving him money? The My Pillow guy? Do you think people in Congress would be saying that we, we want this guy to be a congressman? But that's what they did for Kyle Rittenhouse. Called him a patriot hero. For killing, murdering two people. Now for all the people that say you know something. In their mind. It was self defense. Right? It was self defense. You telling me if a black kid. Just shot two people. They didn't have guns. They didn't have guns. So it wasn't a shootout. Telling me that's what people would say. You tell me Christians would get $2 million? Would they? Of course not. You know the truth. You know why? Because I've said this before. If you want to get away with murder, be white and kill a black person and or someone supporting black people. You can get away with murder. And people will pay you for it. They will champion you for it. They say thank you. Think about how they subtly but sometimes not so subtly say shoot the looters shoot the that's really saying shoot the protesters we'll let you get away with it how much money did did George Zimmerman get George Zimmerman put the gun up for auction that killed Trayvon Martin that's sick in his, in his own way how much money did he get I never forget Darren Wilson shot Mike Brown because of a crooked Prosecutor and DA got away with it. Got a million dollars for killing Mike Brown. Pretty sure he's living off that million dollars right now. Generational wealth. You you, you murder someone and you're white. You could be the, the worst white person in the world. But you would still get support from so-called Christians. And then you see that and you think about it, it really makes you mad. Because, you know, I think it was yesterday. It's the anniversary of Tamir Rice being shot by the cops. Two point, like, what, two seconds? Got out the car, shot at 12 years old. And i never forget, they had, like, a press conference where they were trying to get the cops off. And they were talking about this. Tamir Rice, 12 years old. And they were saying, like, how he looked 17. How he looked menacing. But then you see Kyle Rittenhouse shoot two people, walk right past the cops with a with a shotgun, an AK AR fifteen. 
Walk right past him. They let him go. Tamir Wright's playing with a toy in the park. Mind his own business. Shot in two seconds. Two seconds. You can't do anything in two seconds. Imagine you just standing out there just minding your business. Cops come out there and just shoot you in two seconds. You don't have time to react to anything. He was 12. But they say he looked 17. <laughs> As if that means anything. The United States of America. Not united at all. Ah, water. It's not united at all. That's just terrible. Terrible thing. It lets, it empowers other white people to kill black people, basically. Because they know that, A, they can get away with it. And they can actually make money off of it. They can make money off the deaths. That's insane. That's truly insane. Which brings me to The Undertaker. Undertaker retired 30 years. By all accounts, beloved within the WWE, WWF universe. Beloved for various reasons. The leader of the locker room, the big dog, was he was helped mentored hundreds of wrestlers in his career. Seems like a nice enough guy. I grew up watching The Undertaker, not my favorite wrestler of all time, but he obviously is up there. And for a long time, I had no beef with The Undertaker. Then I saw him on one of his documentaries, and in a Blue Lives Matter. Uh, shirt on which to me is, is, is that's another just stupid thing when does a cop life never mattered to this country trust me cop gets shot everybody's on the scene they're gonna find that that shooter even if they gotta you know plant some evidence that's when people say oh blue lives matter what about white lives what about well yeah all of those lives matter all lives matter. Like, yeah, we, we know that. That's why we're saying black lives matter. It's pretty simple. The concept is very simple. I saw him with the blue lives matter on, which to me is a slap in the face of all black people. Then I found out that he, he's a Trump guy. He donated to Trump. And I'm like, it's different. And then I saw him with Snoop. He was talking to Snoop. And he was talking about how the country is divided and how we should all come together and how we should be allowed to have different opinions and different political platforms, but we should be good, nice to each other. And people are like, that's great. Yeah, you know, the concept of that is, is awesome. Except your side <laughs> is the side that's causing the division. Is the racist side. Is the angry side. Is the violent side. Those are the people that are causing the problem. So it's very difficult for you to sit down there and say, hey, um, I think we all should just, just, you know, kumbaya and respect each other. But how can I respect you when you support someone that doesn't respect me, that tells white supremacists to stand by and that there's good people on both sides? There's no good people on the side of racism or police brutality. So good people on that side. That's not a good. If you're a racist, you're not a good person. It's like saying there's good people on the side of Nazis. 
It's like either either you you are or you're not. Either you're for it or you're against it. Like I always like when and I was upset at Snoop because I would want people to like Snoop to ask just ask them. Say, I get that. You want us all to be kumbaya. But what is it specifically about Trump who inflames all of this that makes you think he's the right guy to support? Why do you think you should wear a blue lives matter? Why do you think cops' lives don't matter? Because black people are upset that they're getting shot in the street. What, what What's the correlation between that and something happening to law enforcement? They never ask them the hard questions. They just let her go. They're like, yeah, kumbaya, you know, you're the undertaker and entertainment should bring us all together and end racism. No, no, there's a lot of, there's a lot of races that listen to Snoop. There's a lot of races that watch the WWE. There's a lot of racist people that like black culture. So no, entertainment and music and sports. No, there's, trust me, there's a lot of races. There's a lot of people that will sit here and say, such and such the greatest, you know, quarterback or basketball player. But then if something happens, that racism comes out real quick. So congrats to The Undertaker for 30 years. What he's done in the business, it should be celebrated. But I can't rock with anybody that rocks with Trump and wears the Blue Lives Matter shirt. You was probably there for the Jeezy and Gucci Man, Gucci Man clone, <laughs> the verses. It's a great concept that they have. A lot of people were going back and forth because you know Jeezy uh, is kind of in a different place right now than when he was the Snowman. Yeah, <laughs> who has the best ab libs of all time? I think without question, number one, it's Tupac. If you just listen to the you know the end of Hit 'Em Up, that that just that alone makes him the king of ad libs. My foe foe, make sure all y'all kids don't grow. We go triple and four quattro quattro. We the realest bad boy killers killers killers. It's interesting about Hit 'Em Up. I remember me and my uh, best friend at the time, Leslie. Back then. Um, you know, you have to get actual CDs to hear the single. And it was, and Hit Em Up was a B-side of one of, uh, I think, How Do You Want It? How do you want it? How do you feel? It's my KC and JoJo. But I think it was the B-side. It might have been a B-side of something else. And and I know this may be foreign to young people. <laughs> but, yeah, you had to get a CD. You had to go put it in your car or put it in your, uh, your record player or your CD player. But I remember back then... You know, on the weekends, people um, where I was from, my hood, used to congregate at the gas station. Don't ask me why, but that you, you congregate at the gas station before you went off to wherever you was going to go. And when something hot happened, you got to remember, it wasn't like today with the Internet where, like, if something drops, everybody in the whole world knows in, like, a millisecond. So, like, everybody knew this track was out. And sometimes tracks, depending on where they came from, they came from different locations. It took a while to get to, like, you know, I was in St. Louis, the Midwest. It took a while to get there. 
So everybody had this track. Tupac got this track. Tupac got this track. Hit him up. Hit him up. And I'll never forget, uh, me and Leslie got the CD back at uh, one of they, You know, they used to have record stores back in the day. <laughs> uh, they're really big, like blockbusters. We got the CD at one of the record stores. I forget what the name of it was. I know the little shopping center is still open, but it's not a record store no more over there. By in St. Louis, we got it, and I remember we had to get gas before we went to the mall. We was at the gas station, and we was playing it. And we couldn't believe what we was hearing. <laughs> and next thing you know, the gas station was just like us and one other like car. Ten minutes later, about ten cars. Twenty minutes later, about thirty cars. <laughs> We just playing it over and over and over and over again. And I remember I looked at Leslie, I said, Pac ain't gonna make it. He ain't gonna make it. It just felt like it was just too much. And unfortunately I was right. Yeah, Pac greatest uh, ab liber of all time. Not just on hit him up, you just listen to any of his songs when he starts rambling at the end or in the background. It's great. Puffy's probably next. You know, he's probably most well known for his ab libs. Hey, Jeezy DMX. Yeah. DMX got some good ones. A lot of barks. Anyway, the the big discussion was, you know, Jeezy's kind of on his grown man now. He's not the snowman anymore. But Gucci's kind of s- still there. And, you know, the 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 accusation is, is Jeezy sent a guy over to rob and kill Gucci. And Gucci ended up shooting and killing the guy his uh Jeezy's boy and that's been like you know their beef for all of that time and people were like you know do you get over something like somebody trying to if you if you literally legitimately thought somebody had sent somebody over to murder you you know how do you get over that because he was playing diss tracks and stuff like that I don't really have a good answer for that because nobody's tried to murder me to my knowledge I could be wrong <laughs> but to my knowledge no one has tried to murder me um but yeah, it was a little, it was a little tense for a while, you know. But you know, it's weird about rappers. You know, some rappers they move on. You know what I mean? Like, cause almost all of them start off in the hood, in that life. Some of them move on, like you know, Jeezy or Ice T or Ice Cube or LL Cool J or whatever. Some of you know, Jay Z, they move on, and others just get stuck you know, like Gucci and DMX and others just kind of get stuck in that lifestyle and obviously it can still be dangerous I mean Lil Boosie just got shot in the leg just a little while ago so I'm always going to be especially for rappers that you know I find enjoyable you should evolve you want to be in some sort of business and some sort of financial security for the rest of your life but then again, I can understand why Gucci's like, you tried to kill me, so F you. I get that. And finally, before we go, <laughs> Lisa Ray said that the reason that Halle Berry, Halle Berry, Halle Berry, can't keep a man because the sex game is bad. Um, that's a rumor that's been out there for a while. Um, it's been out there for a while. Uh, that it started off with like uh, remember the Hallberry's date David uh, not David um not Boston David's Justice David Boston is a, a wide receiver from Ohio State that did a lot of uh did a lot of uh, drugs 
like performance enhancing drugs, not cocaine. But uh, David Justice, that didn't work out. Then it was the whole thing with Eric Benet. You know, don't ever go Eric Benet. You had to go to like sex rehab and stuff. You know what I mean? So that's that's been out there for. That's not something that you say though out in public. You know what I mean? Like how you know? I mean, you still say that. I always think that it has nothing to do with that. I mean, that's always a part. I mean, you, you want that to be fire, but I, you know, I think you know it's more personality, maybe. You know, are you comfortable with the person that you're with? That's just not something that you say out loud. That's something that you, hey, you know. Halle Berry, she. Do you think Halle Berry can act? I mean, she's won an Oscar for basically her sex game. <laughs> if you think about it, that's the scene that everybody remembers from Monster Ball. A little weird. I think she can act. She's always kind of in movies that. You know, she looks nice in, but she, they're not well-received. You know, like Catwoman and some of the X-Men movies. What, that, that one James Bond movie with Pierce Bronson. Iconic scene coming out the water, but nobody really, you know, nobody really remembers anything else about it. Good at Boomerang, right? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Mmm. This just came off the hot wire. Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins have tested positive for the Rona. Mm. Gus Edwards, though, I think is good. But if he's in the running back room, that's just rough season for the for the Ravens. Rough season. And the Rona is it's it's it ain't no joke. I know white people want you to think it's a joke it, it, is, it is not a joke you guys need to really be safe out there also uh got a sponsor if you go to audible i got a hook up for you uh what is it at here hmm, where'd i put the link all right we go audibletrial.com slash bso if you go there you get a free trial 30 days um, and get two free books if you're Amazon Prime. One free book if you're not Amazon Prime. BSO hooks you up. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Only one show this week because, you know, holidays. I'm taking the holiday off, quote unquote. Uh, have a good Thanksgiving. Please, please be safe. Wear a mask. Don't go out to the swinger parties. You know, stay at home. Get your Postmates. Get a Postmate turkey if you need to. Hopefully... We got to get Trump out first. Then, you know, maybe next year we'll be okay. I don't know. Maybe 2022. But let's just make sure we're alive, you know, for that. Be sure to check out the website, blacksportsonline.com. Register for my email list for all the new updates. Listen to this podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Follow me on Twitter at BSO, Facebook, Black Sports Online. Instagram, BSOTV, and much appreciation to my podcast partners at ABF Creative for all their hard work in making this weekly podcast a success. I'm out.